0: welcome to our Living Word Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning experience. I want to challenge you, if you missed last week, uh, I shared a brief message before our baptisms about the Christian response to suicide just some major topics that I felt were necessary for me to address from the pulpit as we got through last week and many of the difficulties within our Christian community. If you missed our baptisms or you missed that abbreviated message, you can go on our YouTube and you can watch it. You can go on our app and watch it. Uh, You can download our podcasts and watch it. Feel free to grab that. I really feel that as the Lord gave me those words and as I believe he does every week, uh, that it would bless you uh, to hear those if you happen to miss them, amen? I wanna challenge you Come out tonight, 6 p.m., and join us for worship. Uh, It's gonna be a great time. Let's pray together as we go in the word this morning. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you, Lord, that you're with us. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're present. We thank you, God, today that you are a living God. We thank you, God, as we open up the word that you would speak to us. We thank you that you're so faithful in the midst of everything to meet with us. God, in the midst of our mess, in the midst of every circumstance and every mountaintop and valley, But Lord, right now, I just ask that you would settle our minds in to receive your word. Lord, I thank you that whatever is in the way will not be in the way when we walk out of here today in Jesus' name. I thank you today, God, that we would leave with strategies and and biblical knowledge on how to walk out this journey with you. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, worship team. You know, I wanted to open up, and even with our, our worship opportunity tonight, if I, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Pastor Nick. I'm the senior pastor here at Living Word, and it's my honor to share from the Word with you. But I want to challenge you in the opening of this message as we talk about what's in the way. I want to talk to you about the way a little bit. <laughs> I want to talk to you about worship because worship for many people has many different definitions. Worship, as we kind of go and think and move along the ways, it takes on different connotations and even expressions. But for me, I I just kind of wrote some things, and I want to share with you a few quotes this morning of others who've worshiped through their life throughout the years. But I'll put it to you this way, right? Worship is not just a 20-minute long session on a Sunday morning. Amen? Worship is a a 24-hour-a-day, 7-day-a-week attitude and lifestyle. Many of us, we minimize our moment with God to the time we spend in church. We minimize the time we spend with our Heavenly Father. We minimize those moments and those opportunities, and we don't dearly realize, we don't realize how much we're missing out on in Jesus' name. Two two quotes I want to share with you. One I'll share, and the next one will be up here on the the screen for you. The first one is from A.W. Tozer, and he said it this way. Worship is no longer worship when it reflects the culture around us more than the Christ within us. I'll say it again, worship is no longer worship when it reflects the culture around us more than the Christ within us. When you hear something like that, my heart and my prayer, even as I received it and and in my studies, was this idea that we would realize that it's not our job as Christians to conform to the things of this world. But it is our job to be transformed by the living God, and then we would go into the world and see others transformed by Him as well. Worship is that avenue. Worship is that, that, that vehicle, that moment, but I, I need to share with you this one. It's one of my favorite books I've ever read. Uh, Matt Redman wrote it. It's called The Unquenchable Worshipper. Any youth ministry or any worship ministry I've ever been a part of, I've, I've purchased this small little book uh, for them, but the quote reads as follows. It says it this way, enter the unquenchable worshiper. This world is full of fragile loves, love that abandons, love that fades, love that divorces, love that is self-seeking. But the unquenchable worshiper is different from a heart so amazed by God and his wonders burns, a love that will not be extinguished. It survives any situation and lives through any circumstance. It will not allow itself to be quenched, for that would heap insult on the love it lives in response to. That is such a powerful quote, because it recognizes that the life we speak as we live, the life we walk, the life that we go, the life that we move with, That life in Jesus' name is a direct reflection to the God we worship. And when we're giving off things that are not of God and from God and with God, we have to understand that we are not reflecting God, but others may think we are trying to. Come on now. You know, I wanna talk about worship, but I wanna really talk about your life. (coughs) Forgive me this morning as my throat is a little scratchy from screaming during worship and other moments this week. do you understand this morning that worship is your weapon do you understand this morning that worship is an act of war against the enemy of your life do you understand how powerful the life song that you sing hourly do you understand how powerful that is you know i often say it to people If you could understand the potential for your life just a little bit, you'd stop acting the way you do. You'd stop compromising, you'd stop thinking otherwise, you'd stop wavering, and you would stay so straight on that road. You would run and you would be sprinting towards what you could find. But God doesn't work like that. He's not asking you to work for your treasure. He's asking you to be obedient to his life. You see, God knows the heart of a man, and in that, he judges them. And so for many of us, the problem that we have in our worship is that outwardly, we could be expressing many things that look and act and seem like God, but inside, we're so far from him. And I want to challenge you as I start this message, because the root of it today is beginning to understand what's in the way. I just feel so much and so many as I begin to pray and as God gives me these phrases and and literally as I'm just praying and asking him on what even to share with you this particular Sunday, I know that when he gives me something like that, it is so very clear that when I said it, even coming out of worship, there was something that was very evident to you that needs to get out of the way. Now for some of you, when I said to you to ask God to show you what was in the way, I'm gonna go out on a limb based on what I felt and say that many of you saw yourself. Come on. When you said, God, show me what's in the way. And you saw yourself standing there and you said, no, no, okay, God, okay, show me what's in the way. And you kept seeing yourself. I know I did. Come on. I wanna talk to you today And I want to talk to you. I'm going to use David's life in a few moments to give us some biblical context and steps to walk this through. But we need to break ground in the beginning of understanding that worship is our weapon in this life. Everything we talk about comes back to us but we are so quick to look around and go, it must be my wife, it must be my husband, it must be my kids, it must be my boss, it must be my friends, it must be my aunts and my grandmas, it must be, it must be my family, it must, it must be, it mustn't be me though. I promise you, for most of us in the room today, if we would be honest, it's us. It pains me to watch generations of people be raised and turn into their 20s and 30s and not know how to survive on their own. You know why they don't survive on their own? Because they never had to look inside themselves. They never had to be placed in things, and we're a generation, and we have to be careful of this as adults right now, as we're leading people, and especially young people, that we understand that failure is okay. That we understand that there are safe places for our kids and for generations and friends around us to go ahead and fail because God is with us as we do so. I'm not going to go off on that too much, so please take what I said appropriately and don't translate it some weird way. Thank you. I ask you today, what's draining your passion to worship? What's causing you to constantly go back and doubt the things that you know God said? What's constantly, you know, making you almost just sit here and go, God, I know you said that, but I'm just going to keep worshiping this thing. I'm going to keep bowing down to this thing I wonder in some sense as I did some more studies this week and I was reading in, in the book of Chronicles a lot this week and if you haven't read the book of Chronicles I challenge you to go back and read it because it's a beautiful history of so much of the Old Testament that you may not understand and as I started reading it this verse stood out to me most in first Chronicles 16 verse 39 and 40. It said, meanwhile, David stationed uh, Zadok, the priest, and his fellow priests at the tabernacle of the, of the Lord at the place of worship in Gibeon, where they continued to minister before the Lord. They sacrificed the regular burnt offerings to the Lord each morning and evening on the altar. They set aside for that purpose, obeying everything written in the, lo- uh, excuse me, in the law of the Lord as he had commanded Israel. I wonder in some sense in our modern-day Christianity, as we understand that God is with us, amen? Right? We get that. But I wonder if we take for granted the fact that God is with us. I wonder if we as church-going, God-fearing people have lost our awe, have lost that kind of first love feeling, of knowing that every moment of every day, God is looking at you like the greatest lover in the world. And he's wanting to meet with you and talk with you and walk with you and commune with you. I wonder if we've really understood what it took and what happened in this moment where we we read the Old Testament and sometimes it's like, oh man, imagine if we had to do that. Yeah, imagine if we actually had to build an altar to meet with God. Come on, somebody. Imagine if that was what happened for us. Do you know how few churches there would be in America if the way to meet with God was to have to build an altar? But do you understand that at this point, and we sing the song, so I wanna teach you, right? We sing songs like, you know, and he tore the veil, right? We, We talk about all that. We don't realize the veil wasn't torn in this moment. This is a moment where the priests would have to go into the Holy of Holies where they would make make and build altars and they would bring sacrifices and they would look and they'd say, God, here is our best. Here is what we've raised. Here is what we've cared for. Here is what we've labored for. Here is the best of our best. We bring it to you this day in Jesus' name. Would you forgive us? Would you be with us? We desire to be with you, God. Could you imagine in the laziness of our churches today if people had to build an altar to meet with God? Come on now. Am I talking to anybody this morning? We have taken for granted the fact that we can shut the door. We get on our hands and knees and on our face. We can weep with a box of tissues here and say, God, I thank you that I can sit here today and I can resurrender my life in this moment. We don't even have to go build an altar, because they built a cross to put him on. We have to grab hold of this idea of worship, church. We have to understand that the journey is not momentary. The journey is not a choose-in where I found God, and then I put God back like a genie in the bottle and say, "Lo, I'll just kind of rub the side of it, God, when I need you to come out. That's not what he signed up for, and that's not what you signed up for either. You signed up for an active, living God who gave his life for you because he loves you. And he wants to be with you. By the way, he wants to be with you in your mess. He wants to be with you in these times. And he does desire that you would clean up your mess, but you would let him help you. This is where we drop the ball. And we don't realize. And this is why it kills me. I'll be honest with you. It kills me when I watch church services of all ages and, and, and in a version of worship called singing songs, it's like, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. And you're like, could you imagine if that's really how you feel? I mean, listen, we all don't have good voices, amen, all right? It's okay. Maybe we make sections. Bad voice, good voice. I'm working on it, <laughs> and everybody will feel more comfortable, right? <laughs> I say it that way because I really feel like, as a sports fanatic, when someone says something about my team, I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just so excited. If I'm at a sport, baseball game and a guy hits a home run, you would do what? we cheer. When one of your children, you're at their game, and do you ever see a soccer mom or dad? Anybody see one of those recently, right? You seriously thought like they won the World Cup and it's like 42 to nothing because they're beating the team so bad, but their kids scored and they're like running around the field. Did you see him? Right? Could you imagine if we approached God's throne with that kind of zealous love? you imagine if you walked in here on a Sunday morning and said, dear Lord, this week was terrible. I know you're watching. I need you to show me what I need to do more because I know you saw this week. I know you saw my choices and my mess, but we need to do better together this week, Lord. I need you to do a little something, and then you need me to do a lot of something. I get it, right? That's covenant, that's promise. But we have to start to take things and understand, and I'll tell you what, there's been one thing throughout every single season of my life when some of the younger guys and ladies ask me how I prepare some of my sermons or how I've known to take some of the biggest steps of faith in my life, I am not being a corny, cheesy Christian this morning to tell you it's because God told me. He spoke to me. You say, well, Nick, what, what do you mean? Did he, did he like literally type creepily on the board saying, go here, do this, right? no, 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 it didn't always look the same. But I'll tell you how it started. And I'm going to use David's life to show you, but I'm going to share my story and then we'll share David's story. Every single moment of decisions and things that I've made that were in God's line. Come on, we've all known that we've made some ones that were not in God's will. Amen. The ones that were in his will, we'll leave it at that. They always started with, God, are you in this? God, do you want me to do this? And I promise you, every time I was willing to do that, he met me in that place. Because you see, worship is a lifestyle. I'll go back to it again. It's not a 20-minute moment each Sunday that we have, but it's a life song that we're going to sing. Amen? First Samuel 17. Read it with me. You know the story very well. First Samuel 17 is the David and Goliath story. It says, now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Do you hear that kind of talk? Do you hear him? Does he sound afraid of whatever's about to happen? I'm asking you, You you can respond. Does he sound afraid? And he's standing here, I feel like, much like a pastor or a good friend would say to you, like, hey, guys, guys, he's big. But there's things that take people down. You know that, right? We don't got to yell back at him. We're not going to match him in his size. We're not going to be able to, you know, that, that is a four rock kind of guy. <laughs> We're going to do this. And I want you to hear because I want you to understand the attitude needed to worship God. God wants the best and we need to talk like it. Listen here as he goes. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him this will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is you came down only to watch the battle. Whew. I need you to go off on this side sermon with me for a minute. Because a few weeks back, about a month ago, I preached a sermon called Recognize what, What's Being Attacked in Your Life. You see, David, and this is what I want because not every one of us were good enough to do what David did. There's times in our leadership that we did do the following, right? Go back to the beginning of this story. It says that before David took the food out to his brothers, it says that he handed the sheep off to another shepherd. Come on now. It says he closed the gate. It says that he took care of his responsibilities that then opened the door to this next opportunity. And so as David prepared, but I want you to see it because the enemy can only work with what's in front of him. Amen. And so his brother comes in burning with anger. Anger is not a fruit of the spirit. I don't know if anybody read that yet. Okay. It recognized it right away. Anger burning with anger said, why have you come down here? The first thing the enemy is going to do as you begin to walk in the things that God has for you is say to you, what are you doing here? Why did you come here? You think you can make a difference? You think you're going to do this? You think you're able to do what nobody else was willing to do? And you know what the answer is? The answer is, if God is with me, then who can stand against me? You need to learn this answer because I'm going to repeat it about 10 more times as I say this because we have to understand how powerful it is to walk in God's will for our life. If God is with us, then who can stand against us? Keep walking this out with me, church. It says it here. He asked him, why did you come down here? Some of you, you need to answer and learn how to answer that question. And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Some of you, the minute somebody questions you, you go, oh, oh maybe I didn't. Maybe I left the stove on. All right, how many of you do that every time you leave the house, right? <laughs> right? It's like one of those I left the stove on moments in your life. So you know you, know, you didn't even cook. You didn't even cook that day. But the stove could possibly be on when you left the house for vacation, right? You just know it. You're coming back to nothing. But that's how tricky and scheme-like the enemy is. He gets you to believe and gets you all riled up because why? Even just for a minute, if he can get you off your game, maybe he, he, he detours you for a moment from something God had. Come on now. He knows the game. He knows how big God is. He knows he can only deter you. Because God's plans are God's plans, and if we walk them out, he can do nothing about it. And so he's just going to keep trying to get in the way and interfere and say things like, hey, you really think you're qualified to be here? Oh, and by the way, if you do think you're qualified to be here, (laughs) if you really, really think you're qualified to be here, did you really take care of all the other stuff you had to do first? Oh, wait, I remember that, that, that. Oh, they told me I had to do this and do this. Listen, some of you need to get out of your, your box Christianity and understand that God broke it. You need to understand that God does not live in the box you put him in. You need to understand that he is so big, he cannot be contained. His will is perfect. Ooh. I know how conceited you are. Here we go. We're on level three now. He's not getting through in number one and number two. Come on. In verse 28, this is the third portion of verse 28. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. (laughs) He turns it on him and says, you didn't really come here to do what you say you're about to do. Don't lie. I know the real you. Come on and this is when some of us we start to look at our past come on now what's become there was nothing and I need you to see this there is nothing in the way of David slaying this giant and he has a choice here he can look at this man and he can say my purpose here is with the father and the purpose that he set me with was to deliver food when I delivered food I found an opportunity that none of you are willing to step up and conquer. And when I showed up in obedience to what I was told to do first, because I was a here I am, send me type of person, God said, hey, they've been standing here listening to this guy bark for days, for hours. David, are you willing to do something about it? And obviously by David's attitude, you see he's ready. And he's saying, Go ahead, say what you want, do what you want, talk like you want, that's fine. I'm ignoring what you're saying because none of it matters to me. I didn't come here for you, I did come here to bring you food. Here you go. Can I ask you now, devil? (laughs) Come on. Can I ask you what you're still doing here when you know you're already defeated? Some of you need to start having that confidence. See, the devil calls it arrogance, I call it confidence. Beginning to speak the truth of the present circumstance in trial that you're in. It is not arrogant for you to look at your current situation and to know that when God has spoken, you can speak it too. Verse 29, now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? It says he then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on the account of this Philistine. Your servant will do what? I'll go fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. (laughs) I'm going to skip to my notes, and so forgive me if I I lose something, but I need to do what God is telling me right now, and I put it at the bottom for a reason, and I'll show you my notes if you want to believe me. Don't worship the lie of comparison. I need to go here for a minute with you. Don't worship the lie of comparison. You see... The enemy, through his brother, tried to get him to defeat the basic foundation of his will. His will, his, his brevity, his moment of saying, yes, okay, God, I'll do this. But then he took it at another level, right? The one with authority came over, the guy in charge. And he said, listen, son, I, I thank you for being this really zealous youth. I thank you for, for doing this, but I need to just show you something. Look, you see those guys, look, they've been doing this a really, really long time. I want you to know if they can't do it, you can't do it. And David's like, but they don't serve my God. my God tells me not to fear my God tells me that if he's in it I'm in it (laughs) Uh, sir I thank you for telling me that I'm just a a wee bit teenager but uh, I'm okay with going and getting rid of this guy if if you'll just get out of my way please (laughs) but but I want to be respectful to authority so would you give me permission to go fight in your army please come on somebody I hope you're listening this morning <laughs> you see God raises up young people how many of you remember being 12 years old out there you're like please stop <laughs> you know every time I say young people I feel like anyone over the age of 14 goes I'm old <laughs> we are all young in the sight of the Lord there is a youthfulness inside of us that the devil will attack till the day we go to heaven. Whether you're 80, 90, 100 plus in this room or you're 12 or eight or 10 years old, I need you to hear me today that the enemy will forever from the time you're six, seven, eight, nine, whenever you can recognize that you're being recognized, come on, till the time you go to be with Jesus, the enemy is always going to point you to somebody else's life. Because if he can point you to somebody else's life, he can stop you from looking at Jesus's life. You see, the lie of comparison takes our eyes off of the promise of God and places them on the problems of people. Son, remember I told you, you're too young. you, you see? Th- these guys have been warriors for years. They've trained. They, look at the equipment they have. They, they can't do this. What, what makes you think you're going to do it? Read on with me. Oh, I got to go back up here. I told you I'll lose my spot, but I'll read something again. <laughs> but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping, verse 34, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised, little offensive, Philistine will be like one of them. Come on. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. You see, when we eliminate age from the conversation, we can now have a real conversation. Because a lot of people in this world want a lot of responsibility, but they don't want to travel the road to get there. There's a lot of you in here today, you want to take Goliath out because you're strong and you're big and, and you think who you are. And God is saying, my son, my son, please do me a favor. My daughter, do me a favor and go save that sheep. Do me a favor and go keep that bear from, 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 those, from, from those things over there. Do me a favor. Go, go, go do this. Please do me a favor and go protect this. Do me a favor. Go serve here. Go do. You see, there's a journey with God that when we take age out of the equation, we start to understand that God is about building us regardless of how old or young we are. And there is a stature with God. There's not this platform when you kill a bear, when you kill a lion, when you kill... No, 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 no. It's, it's that... As the testing, through the testing of your faith, the Bible says, come on, it gives you what? Perseverance. And as we understand scripture, we start to grab hold of this idea. Wait a minute, Lord, I thank you for not making me face Goliath on day one. But here's the problem, because we start to compare, and this is where your theologies get all messed up. You get somebody who gives their life to the Lord in, in their 50s or 60s or 40s and you've been serving in church your whole life and you know the Bible better than anybody and you're walking around and and you look at somebody and they're doing all of a sudden you turn around one Sunday you come back you say what's that person doing in leadership am I talking to anybody and you start to compare and you say well I've been in this church for 50 years I've been serving God for 20 years I've been doing this along my journey. Doesn't that qualify me to do what that is? No, 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 See, see what you missed. What you missed is the journey that God's been on with that person for the last 30 or 40 years. <laughs> you weren't a part of that. So do me a favor. Don't comment about that. Don't worry about what God has been doing. Because what you don't remember and what you're forgetting as you start to comment is that the same, the same power that conquered death in the grave. Oh, by the way, the same power that, that delivered you. Come on now. The same power that delivered you has delivered that person. And they're now able because they have the same resource you do. Come on now. If they're willing to listen, to hear, and be obedient to God, they too can be used to do miracles in this world. We cannot minimize how God wants to use people when you give people your opinion on when they're ready to serve, I tell you what, it better sound a lot like this. It better sound like David sitting there and going, well, sir, I would be honored to serve in this role of leadership because along the journey I felt like God has given me a chance to be responsible with this. And then I faced this really hard trial, and I failed a lot of times, and then he, he pulled me out of that, and, and he put me here, and, And I feel like I have just enough right now to do this. That's why I'd like to do this for God. That's why I feel qualified to walk out. You know, I really don't feel qualified, but I know that he can qualify. And so if he's called me to do this, then he's also going to anoint me to do this. Come on now, am I speaking to anybody this morning? He continues. And he says it this way. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Now, we can have fun judging what really Saul was trying to say here, right? But there is no doubt in Saul's mind that the greatest men in his army had nothing to do and wanted nothing to do with this man, that this poor little shepherd boy was about to meet his his maker. (laughs) Son, I'm glad you know God, but God be with you, son. See you in a few minutes. Probably not. Verse 38. Verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. He said, I cannot go in these, Saul, he said to Saul. He said, because I'm not used to them. And so he took them off, then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. The reason that (laughs) comparison is a lie from the enemy, and you could even see it so physically happen here, Saul said, if you want to do it, then you do it like I want it done. You put on my armor, you take my weapons, and you go try to defeat that. David said, sir, I don't fight like you. I don't wear armor like you. I have a different armor that I wear. And I'm not trying to be foolish and go out in this fight with something I don't need, but I am very confident that what I need was these five stones. And I need to be a little loose and flexible. I can't have all this armor weighing me down. Thank you for for trying to make me one of your soldiers, but but I'm a soldier of the Lord. Thank you, though. I'll dress like him. Come on. I only need what he wants me to have. For this battle, I need my rocks. For the next one, I might need six. But for this one, I need five. I need you to begin to grab hold, church, today of how specific God is. It says, meanwhile, he he said to him in this part, meanwhile, verse 41, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. David. He looked David over and saw that he was more than a boy glowing with health and handsome and he despised him he said to david am i a dog that you come at me with sticks and the philistine cursed david by his gods and he said come here he said and i'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals <laughs> man <laughs> i need you to understand that as i preach this i get so emotional because as I preach it, I feel my life in it. And I want you to take that journey with me because I need you to understand how powerful your story is. I need you to understand all the battles you fought to get here today. And I need you to understand that there's a lot of battles that are still going to be fought. And I need you to learn that the key to staying in God's will is understanding what happened in the wars of previous. I need you to understand that the way that you've gotten through time after time after time, you're still here today, let's begin to do something about it, church. Let's begin to take on the giants and the things that we don't believe that we can have. And I just want you to hear, because for some of us, this is where we lose our faith in many different ways. As the devil gets closer, as the promise comes closer, what does it say that's happening here, right? The giant gets louder, right? He says he starts drawing near. David is stepping closer to his promise, and so you can view this passage two ways. You can see what the the giant is doing in Goliath, or you can realize that David don't care what he's doing. He doesn't care that, it doesn't say David is trembling at this large man coming at him. It doesn't say David called timeout and asked for a 30-second breather. It doesn't say none of that. David already took what he needed, and he had it in his hand, and he's standing there waiting to do what he's supposed to do, and when this guy shuts up, he's going on the ground. But almost in a in, 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 this, in this arrogant faith, right? We'll have fun with it that way and say it. David just said, go ahead, give me your best words, man. I've been through this trial. <laughs> I've heard all that. You can try to eat at it. As a matter of fact, this is actually good comedy. Let me film it. I'll show it to the church next week. This is what happens when you come against the will of God. You go down. We've gotta grab hold of these great principles, church, because I really believe that this is a point of our faith where so many of us begin to walk away. Because what happens from church and from happens from Christian friends you have, at times is they say to you, come to Jesus, right? That nice little southern, come to Jesus. Come on, everything's gonna be great. We're gonna love God and love people. and We're gonna, me and you, we're just gonna ho-hum together in Jesus' name, right? As comforting as that is, And as real as that is, there is like 75 more percent of the story that we need to now tell. And that's that the more we fight, the more the enemy recognizes us. And that's that the more we do and the more the ground we take, also as God draws nearer to us, the enemy sees God moving and does not want us to fulfill our destiny in him. And so we've gotta be in a place where God takes us and uses us. Read with me here as we keep going. Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, "'You come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head.'" Very, very vulgar, okay? Good thing we got the kids downstairs, right? Um, "'This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, And I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. This very day I will give you the carcasses of the Philistines army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Listen, I need some of you to do me a favor and wake up in Jesus' name, because some of you need to listen to David, you need to go home, and you need to repeat that passage this week, and you need to look at the circumstances or whatever is in the way this morning, and you need to now go back, and, and, and if it's in your room, it's okay. Just tell your family so they don't think you're going crazy, all right? Go in your room, shut the door, and march around that room, explaining this day what's gonna happen. I just want you to know that I am a child of God, saved by the blood of the Lamb. I've been set free. I've been redeemed. And I know that any weapon that's formed against me this day will not prosper in Jesus' name. Some of you still haven't learned how to worship like that. Worship your life Your voice, your words, your attitudes is your lifeline to what God has. And he is dying and wanting you this day to wake up and get rid of what's in the way. And some of you, you have to start by getting yourself to believe it. You've gotta get up and you've gotta march around a little bit and say, I'm tired of this, God. I need you, I want you, you've gotta help me do this. Show me, give me that, and listen, I've said this before, most of you don't realize in what you're struggling with, God will not physically, he can, but often does not remove it all from you, but he often frees you from what you're bound by to the point where you now remember back and you go, whoa, wait a minute, I actually feel like I can say no to this. Come on, somebody with me. Yesterday, I didn't feel like I could say no to this thing in my life that's in the way. This is weird, God. Today, I feel like I can say no. I want you to know that that's the the miracle working power of Christ in your life, that you would be given the favor, the mercy, right, the grace to now make a decision that's so far greater than you were able to yesterday. That's the miraculous power of God working in you. As the Philistine moved closer, verse 48, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out how many stones? A stone, a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead. He fell face down to the ground. I'm going to read to you and close in this very moment. I apologize. I didn't even realize that it was getting later. Forgive me for going a little over. You okay with that this morning? (laughs) I want to read this to you because I want you to understand that there is a key ingredient to remaining in God's will. How many of you at some point of your life has literally just said, how do I know that I am living in God's will? How many of you have asked that? Would you be honest with me today? Right? I just want to know that I'm in his will. I wanna know that this big family decision, this big moment of my life, I wanna know it's his will. I need you to take this now. Go to 1 Chronicles 14 very quickly. It'll be up on the board for you. I'm gonna skip through between verses eight and 17 for the sake of time here. It says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all of Israel. Oh, wonderful. You remember that guy? Come on now. This was a bad day for the Philistines. They mobilized all their forces to capture him. Oh, wait a minute. They don't seem very intimidated, church. It says the day David became king, what happened? He got attacked. Keep going with me here. I'll be here till four o'clock if I keep stopping. (laughs) But David was told they were coming. So he marched out to do what? To meet them. Hello, friends. The Philistines arrived and made a raid in the valley of Rephaim. So David asked God, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied, what? Yes, go ahead. I will hand them over to you. We're talking about a guy who defeated and started what would historically be the fall of the Philistine empire now anointed king why did he have to ask god again come on somebody he was qualified he was king now he 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 he, you know he he did his part now he was he was known he was there shouldn't he just go do this and the answer is no why because he has a fear of being outside of god's will so he asked again please grab this we can't stop asking God even when we think we've achieved the knowledge to make these decisions. This is how we're leading generations to fail. You, get, you, you turn 18, you can make your own decisions. What? Stop, please don't. I'll show you some 18 year olds. I'll show you some 60 year olds. We're still dealing with the same thing, why? Because the root of the problem was never addressed. There is a faith in God. There is an understanding biblically and theologically that if we're not asking God, we are highly likely to walk outside of his will. And so whether it's small or it's big in our life, we've got to be able to ask this, right? We know what happens there. He says, basically they fall, and here we go. Verse 13, but after a while the Philistines returned again. So they were successful in that battle. They returned again. And what happened, what do you think David did again? He asked again. In verse 14, he says, and once, and once again, D- David asked God what to do. But here's the difference, and I got, you gotta take this, I'm gonna pray us out right now. Do not attack them straight on. Oh, what do you mean, God? David says, and once again, David asked God what to do. Before, he just said, yeah, go ahead, do what you gotta do. Before that, he said, yes, I'm with you, go do it. This time, He said, wait, don't attack them straight on. Instead, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. When you hear a sound like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, go out and attack. That will be the signal that God is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. So David did what God commanded, and they struck down the Philistine army. So David's fame spread everywhere, and the the Lord caused all the nations to fear David. Your ability... To ask, hear, and remain obedient to the voice of God is what's going to determine you staying and remaining in the will of God for eternity. Do you receive that this morning, church? Would you stand with me as we close our service this morning in Jesus' name? I honestly don't know what's in the way this morning, but I know there's two people here that do. You and God. It's all it's gonna take to see God move in a powerful way is you to ask, you to hear, and you to be obedient to what he's telling you to do. You know, journeying with Christ if we took time each Sunday and heard from all of you, the journey is not as beautiful as people paint it to be. It's full of so many ups and downs, so many challenges, so many times where there's five steps forward and 30 steps backwards. But I want to leave you being able to answer the question that I feel a lot of people ask in our life. And they say it is simple Pastor Nick, how do I know I'm really living in God's will? How do I really know that, that this is what God has for this season? You know, I tell our staff and I tell others all the time where God brings and provides and gives vision, He also brings the provision to carry that out. You've got to understand whether it's a stone. A sword or the resources we have available today God is bigger than what you have God is bigger than what you've received he's bigger than what you've walked through but there is an ingredient that's been in the Bible from the beginning and that is this if you do not include God in that journey with you you are walking aimlessly alone in the forest David a king who was known through all the lands When he lived in the obedience that he did to God for so long and much of his leadership, it was constantly marked by his ability to hear, to ask, to hear, and to remain obedient to what he was saying. I want you to take those things this week and I'm gonna ask you to make them an active part of your life. There are decisions that so many of you are gonna make this week that they don't just affect your life, they affect many lives. And if you use conventional wisdom or just wisdom from the past or from others around you, I promise you, you have a high chance of not fulfilling what you were supposed to do. When you serve God, he speaks in a way and comes from a perspective that most others around you don't have. That's why it's so important to discern the will of God. And so church, as you go this week, Would you take that challenge to ask, to hear, and to be obedient in Jesus' name? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you this morning that if there is anybody in this room or watching online that does not know you, that they do not call you Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, that right now in Jesus' name, they would make that decision. Right where they're at, God, they would choose you today. They would give us a chance to pray with them, God. They would, they would literally just, just shout even with joy knowing that you're now their Savior, God. <laughs> that they've been set apart from this world and they live now with you, God. Lord, I thank you so much that we have the ability to worship you day and night. Lord, may we do so with our life. Lord, for those here today who've known you and know you and love you and grow with you, I pray, God, that we wouldn't be believers who walk aimlessly as if we wander, but that we would have direction, that we would know where you're walking, and that we wouldn't waste time. Lord, that we would be effective, efficient believers in Christ, God, that we know that in the fruit of doing that, God, you would do so much, that there would be lives who would be saved because of that obedience that people would receive healing because of that obedience. We thank you that you are active and living and moving in this world. And so, Father, we call upon you today. And I ask lastly, in Jesus' name, Lord, whatever is in the way, (laughs) Lord, would you help us right now to deal with that? Give us the strength by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen, amen. Let's give God a praise this morning. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's message here at Living Word Church. Uh, If you're looking for a community, looking for a home church, we want to challenge you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1045 here in Union, New Jersey. We pray you have a blessed day in Jesus' name.